wanted to share with you today is Psalm 40. If you have your Bible, meet me please in Psalm 40. And I'd like to talk about just the first three verses. I became a Christian in early December 1982. I was 21 years old, had already been in the military, and I was searching for some meaning or some purpose in my life. When I look back upon my conversion to Christianity, my mind goes to Psalm 40 in the first three verses, so I, I thought I'd share that with you today. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he has put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. These verses are kind of a testimony, testimony verses for me. In my own life, I cried out unto the Lord to rescue me or deliver me when I was a young adult. I was raised in a mostly non-religious Roman Catholic home. Twice a year or three times a year, we would go to Mass. In my youth, I had no interest in God. Instead, I was occupied with sports and girls and sports and cars. I loved to fish, but God was no part of my life. In my senior year of high school, my friend's dad in North Andover, my friend's dad was a policeman, and he took me aside. And he said to me, and he was right, and he said, he said, Kenny, they called me Kenny back then, he said, Kenny, your life is going nowhere. If you keep this up, you're going to wind up in reform school or in jail or dead. And he said to me, I think you need to go in the military. And I was 17 years old, and I thought about that. You know, I may have been a wise guy, but I wasn't stupid. I joined. I was 17 years old. I had to get out of town, and I did. I was 17 years old, right out of high school, and I joined. And my life at that time could be described, as our text says in verse 2, as, as someone who was stuck in a horrible pit of miry clay. Sin was smothering me in my life, holding me down. I was searching for something important to live for, but I couldn't find it in athletics. I couldn't find it in chasing girls. I couldn't find it in the military. I couldn't find it in college. What I needed to do is what we all need to do, and it's described for us in Psalm 40 and verse 1, where it says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. I waited on the Lord, sought God, tried to figure out who he or she or it was, because I had no idea how to find the Lord. But then he responded to me. It says in our verse that he inclined unto the person who called out, and he heard their cry. In 1982, I was a 21-year-old freshman at Salem State College. I was using my military benefits to go to school. I was caught up in the worldly fast life in college, but I wasn't happy. I was looking for more. Basketball in college was not fulfilling. Philosophy class was a joke, as we learned from books about various people, with ho hopeless people, with no I remember specifically going to a philosophy class and thinking about this person said this is the meaning of life this day, and the next week this one says this is the meaning of life, and when we talked about these folks, they were either drug addicts, suicidal, or other kinds of mentally disturbed people, and they're trying to tell me how to live. 
And I'm thinking, there's got to be more than this. There's, you know, where's the answer? Can somebody please tell me what I'm supposed to live for and what is the meaning of my life? Well, as it says in verse 1, the psalmist cried out unto God, and that's what I did. I cried out unto God. I didn't even know how to pray. I said, Lord, whoever you are, I don't know you. He or she or it, I don't know how to address you. But I said, if you're there, show yourself to me. And within 24 hours or so, for the first time in my life, somebody on the campus at Salem State College put a New Testament in my hand within 24 hours. I had never held the Bible, and my hand shook because I didn't know what this book had for me. But more of that in a minute. As we look at Psalm 40, in verse, the first three verses, it tells us that this is the testimony of a rescued sinner. David is using symbolic language here to explain his spiritual condition, and I can relate to it. His soul was weighed down with sin. He was in bondage to darkness. David was helpless in a dismal and deadly spiritual and physical condition, and he could not help himself. He could not improve himself. He could not change himself. He needed outside assistance, and he sought it only in the right place. The only place to find it is he cried out to God. It tells us in verse 2, He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. Here the response that God gave to David, I can relate to very much. The verse says, first of all, he brought me up. And literally, the, the tense of the, of the Hebrew here is he yanked him, he pulled him out. You're in trouble. And he yanked him out of the pit. That's what God did to me. He pulled me out. And then it says, he set my feet. The idea is he put you in a firm position. Everything around you, Ken Lawson, in your prior life was sand and sinking and wasn't going nowhere. But God put me. He set my feet, pulled me up out of the pit, set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps, put me in the direction that I needed to go. In my own testimony, very much interwoven with Fellowship Bible Church, in my own testimony of conversion, God saved or delivered or rescued me from myself. In my youth and early 20s, I knew that I was a sinner. I knew my lifestyle was not pleasing or fulfilling. I can remember clearly being surrounded by people at college parties and yet feeling all alone that it was fake, that there was more to life than just temporary carnal pleasure, but I didn't know what it was. I felt like my life was being lived through a frosted glass, just full of shadows and distortions and illusions, thinking that somewhere out there is the answer, but it was unclear to me. After a student at Salem State College gave me a New Testament to read, things began to change. I met other Christians at the college. When I told them that I lived in North Andover, they recommended I attend Fellowship Bible Church. Well, I knew where the church building was, at the corner of 125 and 114 near Merrimack College by the Royal Crest Apartments. I knew where that was. I grew up a mile from there. One Sunday night, after spending the weekend home from Salem State, spent the weekend with my folks in North Andover. I went to an evening service at Fellowship Bible Church. Now, for those of you who remember the old building, what looks like the front door 
Did I say that right? Yeah, what looks like the front door was really the back door that had faced the highway. So I didn't know what door to go in, so I went to what I thought was the front door, and it was the back door. I walked in. I sat next to a guy about my age named Tom Henderson, who some of you may remember. Dear friend, he was in our wedding. First thing I noticed when I stepped into Fellowship Bible Church that evening was that everybody carried a Bible. Never had no experience with that. The next thing I noticed was that the people appeared happy. The next thing I noticed was Will Simpson came and shook my hand and I should have run, but I didn't. <laughs> I see you back there, brother. I see you, Will. Great, thank you, great, great. <laughs> Then I noticed the congregational singing. It was fantastic. Al Spires was leading the, the singing that night, and I'd never been around a group of Christians that sang. Totally foreign to me, and it moved me. But then came the difficult part. Pastor Stringer preached that night. That wasn't the difficult part. <laughs> that didn't come out right. <laughs> His text was from, I'll never forget it, his text was from 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and following. Paraphrasing, it says, love not the world, neither the things that were in the world. If any man loves the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If you, what is it, if the lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes and the pride of life, if you have these things, you don't have the love of the Father in you. I'm paraphrasing it. He preached on that text that evening. And I will never forget what impression that made in my life. Because it, that verse was talking to me. I loved the things of the world. I craved those carnal pleasures. That was who I was. And when he preached that sermon, I, I came under this horrible, deep conviction of my sin. I knew I was lost. Spiritually, it felt like a thorn was plunged deep in my heart. I was in spiritual torment. I could not get the words that he preached out of my head. Because not only did he preach them with authority, but he preached them with credibility. And as I heard that message, it broke my heart. I bro he bro it broke me. I went back to my room in Salem. I lived in an apartment in Salem by the Salem Common, if you know Salem at all. And I couldn't sleep. I was restless, I was frustrated, I was tormented, and so I got that little New Testament that somebody from the campus had given me, and I started to read it. And I got through, they said, start reading in the Gospel of John. So I did. Got through the first chapter, okay, I got it. The word was made flesh, dwelt them, okay, I got it. Chapter two, wedding at Canaan, wet, water to wine, okay, I got it. Chapter three, oh. Did, I didn't like chapter 3 at all. I just did not like it. John 3.16 spoke to me, uh, and I, I just couldn't get past that. But the thing that really got me when I was reading the Bible, really for the first time in my life, was the last verse in John chapter 3. Maybe you know it. Let's see if I can remember it. It says... Um, I don't remember it have to look. He that believes on the Son is everlasting life, and he that does not believe on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. 
I got to that verse and I said, I must be missing something. So I started again in chapter one. And I got to that verse and I couldn't get by it. And the reason I couldn't get by it was what Pastor Stringer had preached that evening, that Sunday night, I was seeing again in the Bible and I was realizing that God, that I didn't know God, that I was lost. And I bowed my head December 7th, 1982 at 1.30 in the afternoon. It was an adult decision. I was 21 years old. Went to the person who handed me the Bible. Wouldn't you like it if somebody came to you and said this? I went to the guy and I said, I think his name was Chris. I said, Chris, I've been reading my Bible and I feel tormented. Can you tell me, how do I get saved? Wouldn't you like it if somebody would say that to you? But here's another question. Would you know how to answer them? Because Chris had the answer. He got through his Bible and he started walk, going through John and Romans and about 45 minutes later I'm in tears on my knees repenting of my sin and was converted on the campus of Salem State College. And after my conversion it was important for me to get into a church. And the church that I started to attend at that time was Fellowship Bible Church. When I think about that story about my life, it reminds me of the psalm that we're talking about today. Because it tells us in Psalm 40 and verse 2 that he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. But it doesn't stop there. Salvation doesn't stop the moment you're converted. It's a, it's a pilgrimage. It's, an, it's a mission. It's an ongoing journey. The verse says, and he has put a new song on my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and shall fear and shall trust in the Lord. I knew from the instant of my conversion that I had met the God of heaven and that I was forever changed. He had set my feet upon a rock. Previously, I had no solid footing in my life, no direction, but that all changed that Sunday night when I came under deep conviction through the preaching of Pastor Stringer at Fellowship Bible Church. Verse 3 of our text is where I'd like to conclude for at this morning because it has two components. It tells us what God has done, and it tells us the result of it. What he has done is that he has put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. I had a song in my mouth, but it wasn't praise to God. But he changed me. He converted me. The dirty jokes, the profanity, the machismo, the rock and roll, all that stuff was taken away because he put a new song in my mouth. And that song is praise unto our God. Oh, then it continues and it says, Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. This verse tells me and tells us that what God has done for us as individuals needs to be displayed. Our light is to be set on a hill, not under a bushel. You as a Christian here this morning at Fellowship Bible Church, you and I are showpieces for the Lord Jesus. We are ambassadors. We are co-laborers with the Lord. It tells us in our verse, in Psalm 40 and verse 3, that many shall see it. But the question is, who's seeing you? And if they're seeing you, what are they seeing? The text says, many shall see this praise and this converted in David's life. Many shall see it and shall fear and shall trust in the Lord. In my case, and I know this is not the case for everyone, in my case, my conversion 
was immediately a call to full-time Christian ministry. I knew from the moment I got up um, from my knees as a brand new born-again believer with tears running down my face that my life had changed not only for the salvation of my soul but for the purpose of my life. It was a call to conversion and to Christian ministry. Now that may not be the case for many or most people but for me it was instantaneous. I knew that God had called me into the ministry and 30 whatever years later that is still the case. When I was converted, I knew that I needed to get trained and discipled in a local church. I was, had already been in the military and was then in the reserves. At Fellowship Bible Church, I was discipled by Pastor Dan in his Christian life Sunday school class and through his terrific leadership in college and career. I sat every Sunday under Pastor Stringer's preaching. To help pay my way through college, the church hired me to cut the grass, clean the building, set up tables and chairs, and do all kinds of cleaning and maintenance. I was baptized in 1986 at Fellowship Bible Church by Pastor Stringer. I met my wife through college and career at Fellowship. I was married at Fellowship Bible Church with Pastor Stringer and Pastor Dan co-conducting the ceremony. Our wedding reception was in the basement of the old Fellowship Bible Church building, and guess what? Barbara Glines was in the kitchen working that day for us in the kitchen. I remember that, Barbara. I remember that, too. Thanks for not burning the food. When I went on for ministry studies, Pastor Stringer flew out to Cincinnati to lay hands on me and to ordain me with the church that I was serving at that time. And after seminary, Vera and I joined the Fellowship Bible Mission in the early 1990s and successfully planted a church in Beverly, Massachusetts. Fellowship Bible Church has been a very significant part of my life. In thinking about Psalm 40, the first three verses, when I cried out unto the Lord, he heard me. He set my feet upon a rock and he established my goings. He put a new song in my mouth that many have seen and trusted in the Lord. And through that spiritual process, that spiritual lineage, much of that, most of that, can be accredited to what Vera and I learned here at Fellowship Bible Church. With the Fellowship Bible Mission, I was a church planter and then pastor of our church as it grew, became the pastor of the church in Beverly. But then in 2001, everything changed. The 2001 terrorist attack upon America changed my world. It changed your world as well. If you have travel, if you go to the airport, if you ever cross the border into Canada, oh, the world has changed. But our world was dramatically changed. Immediately, they asked me to leave the church in Beverly from the reserves to go on active duty, to go to Europe, because the country needed me. I had no intention of leaving the Fellowship Bible Mission and our church in Beverly. I wanted to be a pastor there and a reserve chaplain, but the world changed. And over the years, Vera and I have moved 14 times in 28 years of marriage. Think about that. And you know something, that terrific girl over there has never complained, never argued, kids have never griped, just, okay, Dad, where are we going to serve next? It's been great. Our ministry now is to soldiers and families of the soldiers and to Department of Defense civilians and retirees. It's a privilege to wear the uniform of my country. People often come to me and they say, thank you for serving. And my response is, it's a privilege. It's an honor. I have the responsibility. 
I have the honor, I have the duty to preach Jesus Christ to men and women in uniform who are going in harm's way. I preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus to men and women and their families, to retirees and others who are going into harm's way and many of whom have died. I have the privilege of going to military hospitals and working with wounded warriors to minister to guys and some gals, but 98% guys that are missing limbs, blinded, maimed, horrible burns, incredibly disfiguring injuries. And I get to sit by their side and open my Bible and talk to them about Jesus. And people say to me, thank you for serving. And my response is, it's an honor. It's a privilege. I can do this ministry and have been doing it for a while for several, several reasons allow me to do this. One is because I have a terrific wife and great kids who are with us in the ministry every time we have to go, every time dad has to be away, every deployment where dad has to go, Family's there, solid. I know Vera's got everything in order. I come back, it's not a mess, everything's great. She's a great squared away wife and I thank you for that, Vera, thank you. <clears throat> but not only is it Vera's support, but it's the foundational principles of ministry that I learned in this church through Pastor Dan and Pastor Stringer that allow me to minister in crisis situations. Many times in a difficult situation when the bullets are flying and people are fleeing an area, I'm the one that has to go forward. I'm the one that has to go and help. I'm the one that has to help the injured. I'm the one that has to be there. And how can I do that without cracking? How can I do that without trembling? How can I be the one, when everybody's fleeing, the chaplain goes to help defuse the situation? How can I do that? Because I have a great God, because he has put a new song in my mouth, praise unto our God, and many shall see it and have, and will fear, meaning be in awe of God, and many will trust in the Lord. Over the course of our military ministry, thousands and thousands of soldiers have been witnessed to and preached to. Hundreds and hundreds have made professions of faith, and dozens and dozens and dozens have been baptized. And to see that ministry fold, unfold in my life is a blessing for the glory of God, a testimony to a faithful wife, and to the principles that we learned through Pastor Dan and Pastor Stringer at Fellowship Bible Church. Thank you, church, for the influence and the ministry and the foundation that you have given my wife and I. Uh, it still lasts and it multiplies itself all over the world. Every three years they move us. Ministry of this church has multiplied over and over and over again in multiple parts of the world in the lives of soldiers and their families. Thank you for the influence that you have had on my wife and I. In closing, I'd like to read Psalm 40 in the first three verses because it's testimony for me and what God has done for me. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he has put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Please join me in prayer, then we'll take some questions. Lord, thank you for 
the opportunity to report back to Fellowship Bible Church and thank you for the influence that the church has had on my wife and I over the years. We ask, Lord, that you would bless our soldiers in harm's way today, soldiers and sailors, airmen, marine, coast guard, men and women all over the world that are serving. And we ask that you would bless in this Memorial Day that our service men and women and their families might stop and pause and reflect on you, Lord, and your greatness and goodness to us as a country. We do not deserve the blessings that you have given us, but we thank you for your grace and mercy, which we enjoy and experience every day. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I wanted to give anybody that had a question or wanted to know about military ministry or had a question for Vera or our family, uh, I'm at your disposal. Ruth, please. Give me your first name, George, because I don't recognize everybody. My name is Ron. Hi. There's been a lot of uh, information concerning 